Greetings. Welcome to Haber Bros, a podcast for historic cross-centered Christians. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the question. Thank you for listening to us this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy the show, please share it with a friend. This is the biggest way that podcasts grow. If you've not yet given us a five-star rating or review, pause this recording and give us a five-star rating and a lovely glowing review. Uh, follow us on Twitter at, at @clergylay, and that account has been largely dormant, but we are going to, after our sabbatical, um, pick up our activity and our participation um, in the grand discussion of all things. I'm Kirk Haberman, a church musician, and this is my brother, Chris, a priest. And Chris, it has been a long time since you and I have done this. So, it is good to see you and good to hear you and good to do this again. How have you been? Kirk, as you know, I've been great. Uh, it is good to be back. It's uh, a, you call it a sabbatical. It has been a, an inadvertent, unplanned sabbatical. Our last episode came out on July 1st. Uh, and it's funny because we've seen each other since July 1st. We recorded that one in person and we've seen each other. But uh, we just have not synchronized schedules. And here's my thing in life, Kirk, is the thing I've learned is that inertia is a powerful thing. Oh, man. You, you said it's it. like two boats that are you know 12 hours ahead of time realize that they are in a collision course and they can do nothing to avoid it. They just have to prepare. That's like life. And if, if you get in the habit of something, it's easier to stick to it. If you get out of the habit, it is hard to carve that time out for us to sit down and record. And that's so, what's happened. Do you remember when we began this uh, every week, uh, it, it would be uh, like a, a difficult text conversation of finding a recording window. And mm-hmm. then we found a recording window yeah. and it was, it was great and it worked. Um, and, and then oddly, oddly for both you and me, uh, summer was, was busy. Mm-hmm. And, and then one week became two became 10. So, but, um, but we're, we're back and this is, but here we are with, with no promises, but we hope to be back next week. Oh man. No, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's let our word be our bond. Let our word be our bond. Let us promise Christopher. I know that fall is your favorite season. Mm. Uh, so I am certain that, that you've had, um, like you've kicked off fall in an, in an energetic and purposeful way. Indeed. Uh, are you ready for the weather update? Oh, got to do the weather update because it hasn't felt like fall. Oh, it has. It's been so hot. Um, now, last week we did have some. Sorry, the week before last, uh, we had some cool nights. It was great. Got the windows open, but for the large part, it has been quite warm and uh, has not felt like fall. But uh, yeah, fall is no, great. Uh, no pivot to pumpkin spice yet. Uh my 
My no wife, apples, no fire pits. So we've done a fire pit. We've we have not done fresh apples. Um because my favorite are Haroldsons. I don't know if they make uh, if they make those. If they grow those out there. My favorite local apples the Haroldson and those aren't quite ready yet. Um we've done a fire pit. We have done a lot of football. Um I mean, we could we could spend an hour now talking about the Vikings over the Packers. <laughs> the wonderful debut for Kevin O'Connell. So um, apples, what was the other thing? Yeah, a- apples, apples. Just just rudely interrupt you uh, as um, I know you are Haber interrupter, but I'll briefly take your title. Apples. I'm a drone here in Pittsburgh about the Honeycrisp apple. Mm. A- any anytime someone makes the mistake of biting into an apple, I say, "What do you? What kind of apples that?" And they say, "Honeycrisp." They're gonna get my little my little spiel about the Honeycrisp being genetically developed at the University of Minnesota. I like your shirt. (laughs) Yes, I got my Gophers shirt representing. You too. We're both both wearing Gophers shirts. What you watching? Gophers. Gophers. Gophers play the University of Colorado today, um, and uh, they will be 3-0. They beat them in Colorado 30 to nothing last year. (laughs) And we got to move on to Michigan state. Like that's their, <laughs> they, they, they open with three really soft games. And so we got that Kirk. Um, there've been pumpkin spice requests in the house. Ooh. Um, Isaac asked for pumpkin pretzels. Ooh. So those are like, those um, are good. Yeah. Yogurt pretzels with the pumpkin in the yeah. yogurt on the outside. And, you know, Meg's already doing the pumpkin spice creamer. Um, and you know, pumpkin spice is, is, uh, <laughs> how about you? Have you done any, have you accosted any FedEx um, <laughs> delivery persons uh, as they delivered pumpkin spice ingredients? Uh, our, our, my, my new my new rhythm, uh, scandalous rhythm with deliveries, is trying to beat my dog to the delivery person, trying mm. to spare my dog like or spare the delivery person a um, a, a a vigorous uh, friendly greeting. Um, cause right now it's still time of the year where the dog spends a lot of time outside. Uh, no, no, no. So my last interaction with the, uh, with the delivery person, um, uh, was to my shame. Like, as I'm like trying to, no, 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 Iris back away, back away, back away. Yeah. Well, Kirk, uh, the story that we were referring to is, uh, the delivery of yeast, which you were using to make a fall delight. Is that what I was using it for? Yeah. You're going to make pretzels, right? Yes. Yeah. No, no, we haven't made the pretzels yet. We haven't made the pretzels yet. Yeah. When does that That, happen? That's that is coming. Now you are Um, a rule follower. Do you, do you wait until a certain date to crack open the uh, Mertzen beers? I I have them. I haven't cracked open yet. Uh, Like I'm waiting for. Officially when does Oktoberfest start? Okay. So, so officially it's something like mid September and then it, it, it's kind of done the first weekend of October. Right. So if, if I Google it, when is uh, Munich, Oberfest? Munich, it says September 17th. That's today. Yeah. Sounds like a good day to make pretzels and drink some, some merits and beer though, though. I was curious. So September 17th through October 3rd, I, I had checked in, in our Pittsburgh Hofbrau house, Pittsburgh is a German enough city that it was like, what, how many are there? Like four Hofbrau houses throughout the world. Um, five, I don't, I don't know. There are a handful. There aren't know. many. And Not oddly, many. Pittsburgh has one. It's, it's like a, a German enough city. Um, uh, starting September 1st, the October mm, was on tap. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I checked that out. No, no. Here's what I wait for. I wait for, if this is highly unscientific, I wait for that certain chill in the air, mm. a certain number of leaves falling. Um, uh, and, and, and then I'm like, ah, this is, this is, this is the day, this is the Saturday. 
And then I'm like, guys, we're making pretzels. And then I crack open the Oktoberfest. So that is my highly unscientific, um, very, it's a feel thing. It's a feel thing. Okay. You can tell that Oktoberfest is in the air. Yeah. I mean, if I'm being honest, I'll, as soon as I could buy it, I am, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy some Merton. Um, speaking of being honest, our gospel reading is about someone who is highly not- dishonest. Today's gospel reading comes from Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. He also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, Kirk, uh, you and I discussed before you hit record how this is a perplexing and difficult passage in Scripture. <laughs> that, and that is an understatement. I, I think I had said to you, this is, it's so funny that we are resuming, uh, resuming the podcast here. This is literally the most perplexing passage in all of Luke's gospel to me. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's interesting that it's paired with... Um, First Timothy two, which has an optional continuing uh, into the difficult verses on women and teaching, <laughs> and um, so I, I have elected to not do the optional verses. So we are stopping at verse seven, uh, taking just the because, easy way out. I see. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. Like I, I actually um, preached intentionally on uh, the Colossians passage 
um, I made a some what, what you would probably consider a uh, I, I made a a bad decision um, and and did not use the lectionary text when they stopped in Colossians right before the household table, which tells wives to submit to their husbands. I intentionally <laughs> embraced that um, so that we would harmonize these things. And Kirk, that that is the essence of understanding scripture is to harmonize. Yeah. Right. Um, mm -hmm. That we believe in that, that scripture is consistent. And so we need to harmonize different texts. And uh, the reason that I avoided first uh, Timothy two verses eight and following is because I wanted to teach on this and that would have distracted um, right. from this. But but um, the, the issue there uh, is um, we don't want to be um, uh, fundamentalists and literalists. Um, and literalism is is a way of reading scripture that takes away um, essentially what I think is is um, uh, our minds in, in like understanding not just genre, but um, as we read personal letters, like Timothy is a personal letter from Paul to Timothy. Um, not and uh, but also we have letters to churches that there are certain cultural things and contexts that are very specific, and so we need to do work to harmonize them because we believe that scripture doesn't contradict itself. And so when it, it says that a woman should learn quietly and a woman is not permitted to teach, we need to harmonize that with the teaching and the leadership that we see women have throughout the new Testament, which is significant um, that uh, the early church saw Unia who Paul refers to as a fellow apostle that um, not only uh, do, do I think, but the several early uh, church fathers said that Unia, that's a woman. Um, we see women um, prophesying in Acts. Um, and uh, and where is it where Paul's like, when a woman prophesies, she must have her head covered. It's like assuming that they will prophesy. Is that First Corinthians? Um, so we see women um, teaching, leading, uh, preaching uh, in, in churches. And so like scripture, uh, it can't mean a certain thing because it, it simply can't, right? Because it like needs to be harmonized with other parts of scripture. So I'm just raising that as a as an idea for um, the harmonization of of scriptures. And so, um, with this one, we know that Jesus is not praising dishonesty, and he is not praising. Um, let me see. This manager is called dishonest. He is also called rich man. Da, 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 da. Anyway, the, like he's the not praising dishonesty isn't for the dishonesty. It's for right. something else. Right, right. And also let us remember that parables are not tales of mm -hmm. like morality, right? Do you understand okay. what I'm saying? Is that okay. like these aren't like tales are are like uh parables not are not Aesop's fables. So right. Like, so therefore, save. So that yeah. you don't starve yeah. during the winter or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. It's that 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 he's doing something very particular anytime he tells a parable. They're not mere like, oh, and here's the moral of the story. Like it it ties into a teaching he has. And and so this one, we know um what the, the teaching is. Verse 13 says, No servant can serve two masters, for he either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So Kirk. That's the teaching, and we have that also in Matthew, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, in, in the Sermon on the Mount. Can you yes. recall other things that Jesus says about money in um, the Sermon on the Mount? 
Uh, I, I mean, he, he also contrasts um, money with uh, creatures that have no money, right? Consider the lily of the yep. fields and the birds of the air. Um, they don't, they don't wonder where the next meal is coming from, or they don't stress about their possessions. Um, also, you think about, uh, and yet uh, Solomon in all his glory was not adorned right? as the flowers of the field. Yeah. Right. You think about the, the, and this is leaving the Sermon on the Mount, but the rich young ruler in Mark 10, um, who keeps the law very faithfully and earnestly and asks, well, then what must I do? All these I've done. What, what else must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, sell all your possessions you have and follow me. Um, but he went away sad for he had many things. Jesus looked on him and loved him. So, I mean, we do, we do see um, an ethic of, of austerity and, um, and, and uh, there's, there's something about the accumulation of possessions. Um, uh, so, can, yeah, it can warp one's soul. In but the, I, in but the rich I sense by, your, by the look on your face that I'm, that I'm, I'm not following, I, I'm not going in the direction that you had wished. No, no, so no, 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 you're, you're great. Um, the rich young ruler, let's, let's take one of these, these one at a time. The rich young ruler, um, Jesus, following that uh, encounter, said it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, right. which of course was shocking to the, to the disciples because they're like, well, then who can be saved? You know, right. because like if a, a rich man, um, seemingly has the lord's blessing um but like the, I, jesus also talks about the deceitfulness of riches when he talks about the parable of the sower right that um one of the seeds i don't remember which one but the, the deceitfulness of riches was one of the things that took that person's focus away that maybe they sprouted up quickly and were scorched by the sun or whatever um so the, the fact is like that that riches um that that the love of money is the root of all evil because like and that ties in to the teaching on do not be anxious in Matthew 6. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink. Um, and he talks about the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. And that is a teaching about what? It's about God's provision, right? Okay. Yeah. It's about God's provision. Do not be anxious about what you will eat, what you drink, what you wear. For God um, loves you more than the flowers of the field, um, and yet uh, he takes care of them. So will he not more take care of you, right, um, who are, I paraphrase, precious to him? Um, so therefore, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. A verse that is often taken out of context. But what are all these things? Um, uh, your daily, like your daily bread, <laughs> right? Um, housing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what you will drink, what you will eat, what you will wear. Um, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious about itself. Sufficient. I'm sorry. <laughs> tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Um, and so it's, it's, uh, it's a teaching, Kirk, on, on God's provision, right? Yes. And how often are we tempted um, to not trust God's provision? I mean, I, I, would, I would say constantly. Um, I think there's an inverse relationship. So I think psychologists have noted this, an inverse relationship to wealth and anxiety over wealth, right? Sure. Like, so the more... Kind of the, the the larger your household income is, uh, the more you are concerned about money. <laughs> yeah. Oddly, which that that seems very counterintuitive, but that seems to be how the human brain works. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like I think of times in my life um, when I was very young and had very little money and I, there were like, you could name a number and I'd be like, that is so much money. Like <laughs> I, I could not spend that much money. Right. And if I had that much money, I would not feel financially insecure. And then fast forward and you're making that money. Right. And you suddenly feel financially insecure. Right. It's the lie that we tell ourselves that if we had just 10% more. That's it. That, and that's the other number, right? Everybody, when they're asked like, well, what, what, at what level of annual income would you feel um, secure? And they usually name something that's about 10% more. Yeah. And then when they get there, they'll name something that's 10% more, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. They're billionaires who think this way, Kurt. Right. Yeah. And it's, 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 um, yeah, it, it is a it's something that Christians must bear. My beach um, home needs a new bathroom, Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> if if we are not content um, with the, what we have today, we'll never, ever, ever be content. So that's that's a, like a consistent exhortation that that um, we should call our, our brothers and sisters to is is um, to, I mean, I think of uh, the um, the gospel text from there's in August where there's a series of of things where like the, the sin that was listed um, was just simply not being satisfied with what God has given you, whether it's like not being satisfied with singleness or um, celibacy, not being satisfied with the wife you have, where we have the sin of, of you know, adultery or, or lust, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like a big thing that we as Christians uh, must wrestle with is, is the sinful heart that desires that which is not our own. Yes. So all of which brings us to <laughs> the what, is, what Christopher is the dishonest steward praised for, if not his dishonesty. Sure. Let me, let me uh, give one interesting uh, shrewd take that I only read one person have. So we of course know that usury was outlawed, that you are not able to loan at, at, um, at, at interest. Was it in first century? Uh, Palestine was it in in Judaism? Yeah, usury was wrong. Yeah. Okay, so why is and, it? Why so is it what, then that Jews in the, the Middle the, Ages became lender money lenders? That is a good question. another I discussion. I don't know why it was. Okay. I don't know why it was allowed, and for Christians was not. Right. I don't right. know. Okay. Um. Maybe, maybe they were ethnic Jews, but not observant. Okay. I don't know, but um, in in these times, it, and so uh, it's possible that that. Uh, that the rich man was lending at interest, right? Okay. And the shrewdness of this manager, who's a bad manager, who's being fired, um, was like, hey, you can't call me on this. Okay. Um, so I, I'm sorry, I jumped ahead. First off, um, like what is obvious and what is very clear here is what he's doing is he's saying, um, what I am doing is I am going to create debtors out of these um, people who have borrowed money. Right. So you owed a hundred. Let's let's make it 50 and like you you'll just owe me because like I don't want I, I'm too ashamed to beg. And I'm too I'm not strong enough to dig. I love that. That's just a funny line. Right. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. So what I need to do is I need to assure myself of a what's the what's the term in in uh, when you get fired from Wall Street is like a velvet parachute or golden parachute golden parachute like yeah. like I, I i need a when this job is no longer i need a, a, a place to, is, a gentle place to this land. is the severance pay just to make him yeah. go away yep yeah and and so this the shrewdness is is to go to all these people who are who owed slash their their debt so that they would owe him and potentially i just thought this was kind of an interesting take is that like 
it was shrewd because um, he couldn't be the rich man could be called on it. He couldn't say, Hey, you owe me this stuff because like he was not allowed to. It had been an interest. interest. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't think that's the case. I think the case is, is um, and some, some others say um, that this was the, um, basically the manager got paid this way is that what he gave up was his pay for future favors. Um, I, I don't know if that's the case or not. And it, you know what? It doesn't matter. Um, what's clear is he was shrewd in making sure that he had provision um, because the thing he had was going to be taken away. And so he wanted to ensure for himself um, that uh, he would, uh, that what is to come, that he would be cared for, that he'd be taken care of in um, the time to come. Okay. Okay. That's very clear, right? Okay. Okay. Now, in our lives, Kirk, which we know are fleeting, that Jesus urges us to not store up our treasures here on earth where moth and rust uh, corrupt, but to store up our treasures in heaven, um, that the treasures on earth, that that is not treasure, that all that is going away, whether we're talking about the man with his barns where he tears yeah, them yeah, down to build bigger say, barns. It reminds me of the you parable fool, of the barns. Yeah. Your, your life, um, like all this provision you're making for yourself, like it doesn't matter because you're like, you can't take that with you. So I and feel Jesus, like that parable is is much more understandable. It's very clear. Yeah. Well, and this, and this, um, Jesus says, what good does it do to gain the whole world, but lose your soul? Right. right? And you and I, who are children of light, we are not as shrewd as, uh, what does he say? Children of, what's the, sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And yet, and yet, um, unrighteous wealth will fail because um, it will not provide an eternal dwelling. That Kirk, this life is short, that we need to ensure that we have invested correctly, that we have not invested in the things of this world, that it's that in like biblical Christian investment isn't having a healthy 401k, but it is investing in the time to come, right? To enter through the narrow door, to put your faith in Christ and not in the things of this world, that our churches are found in heaven. That the world is passing away, but our hope is in the Lord who is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look to the things that are not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. These, of course, are the words of the Apostle Paul. Uh, is that first or second? Second Corinthians, eternal way of glory. Um, that Kirk. The the parallel here is um, our life here on this earth is. Um, us working for this rich man. But we need to care for our future, which is in heaven. So we ought to store up our treasures in heaven and make sure that provision is made for that. And do you know what the closing, um, what, what the last parable in Luke 16 is? There's something between here. The rich and man that. and Lazarus. Mm. Yeah. yeah, tell me about that. Uh, so rich man has great clothes, um, and he, he eats well every day. And then there's this homeless man, his name's Lazarus. Where's, 
Yeah. He's covered with sores. Um, he eats the food that falls off the table. No, I and, think he longs to, to eat. Oh, the he food. longs. I don't to think eat, he right? gets to. He's just right. like, I don't need to sit at the table. I'll just so, take whatever falls so off. They die. And he's Lazarus is carried by angels right into Abraham's bosom, which is I, lo- I love that phrasing. Right. Um, to paradise. Right. Yeah. And uh, and um, the rich man goes to hell. Yeah. And so let's being- stop. Let's let's stop there, because like there's another teaching at the at the end there of like, you know, they had the law and the prophets. Right. Right. Yeah. They, they, they would not listen to them. Um, but what I'm saying is, uh, where did the rich man store up his treasure? Uh, he feasted every day, man. He said every he day. lived well, he lived well, and he did not invest in the future. He did not make sure that there was provision for him in the time to come. Did he? No. Did you understand what I'm getting at? Yes. Yeah. And, and that's where the, de- why riches are deceitful is, is that they give us this illusion of security. And so the shrewdness is to make sure that we are cared for in the time to come. And so it's not, Jesus not praising dishonesty but planning for the future and planning for this eternal future that we have. So I don't, I don't want to, don't want to dwell too long on this, but man, uh, verse nine is just verse nine is tricky. A, and I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. So, I mean, I, I didn't do like extensive scholarship, but like I, I, I looked at John Wesley's notes to the New mm, Testament. Yeah. Um, and, and he, did, and he that, had two different ways he preached on this. In, interesting. I'm sorry, go ahead. But so the King James actually says, um, instead of when uh, there, instead of it's saying um, that when it fails, uh, King James says that when ye fail, as in like your body, right? As mm. when, when you mm. die. And so that that's how how John Wesley interprets that, which mm. would to, to me sort of change the, the tenor of that verse. But anyhow, the, sure, the first yeah. half of that verse is still like just really tough. I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth. Does that mean like use like churches should use uh, shrewd accounting firms? to accrue wealth, to expand the kingdom. I mean, that would seem to be the plain meaning of that. Yeah. Like, like invest, (laughs) like don't invest in um, kind of Christian and ethical uh, investment strategies, Mm. but just be like really shrewd, man. Would that harmonize? Would that harmonize with the rest of scripture? I, what else would be the, plain meaning of this verse this well, is what i'm said, saying like, is this is an extraordinarily hard text that's all I'm yeah saying. and and i i totally agree this verse is 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 a very difficult one and, and one that i spent a lot of time on without coming away with a clear right. okay. answer and, and there, there's sometimes we kind of shrug and we're and, and um it may be uh just translation difficulties um there are a lot of choices that translators make as um, they, they translate um, that that there could be um, it's not just a range of meaning of words, but just the way that the the Greek is written. Um, there are a number of uh, different meanings like yeah. Uh, 
I'm trying to think of a good example of that, but like, that's why some translations have, have very different things is that like the, the translators have to say, well, there are three different things yeah. this word could mean. This is probably the most right. likely. And, and those decisions are made for us. Yeah. So let me um, just say this. I, I've lived 42 years not understanding this passage. And so I'm, I'm pretty at peace with that. But let me say something that I do understand and that I think is profound. Um, verse 12. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Uh, I mean, you you said before, right, with the the the, the parable of the the wealthy man in his barns, right? Um, mm -hmm. He loses them all at his death, right? And sometimes I, I well, it's not that use, at his death. It's just like like right. your your soul is what what is the sure, sure. your soul is required like, of you this night yeah, or something? To, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so you use often, I, I'm guessing, as an offertory sentence. Um, Solomon's blessing of the temple, temple uh, in Chronicles, right? Like all things come from you, all things are all things are thine, right? Something like that. Is that well, uh, that that's that's not a, a offertory um, sentence. That's that's merely like what we do at the reception of the offertory and okay. laying it. Yeah, yep. So we, we, so we do that every Sunday. Yes. So none of these things were the unjust stewards anyway. And this is sort of the point that he's making here, that Jesus is making right here. Like none of these temporal things are ours. We are only stewards yeah. of them, yeah. right? God is the proprietor of it all, right? So mm -hmm. he puts them in our hands for a season, um, but they are still his, right? Yeah. And, and, and all Christians should understand this, right? So, um, and this, this is what I think is meant here, right? Uh, if you've not been faithful in that, which is another's. Um, all things are God's. So let us be faithful um, and shrewd in that. And so that I think I, I that I think I can grasp, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, these gifts we've yeah. been given are His, and so be wise insofar as we yeah. remember that. And let me let me read um, Luke twelve twenty and twenty one, just so I I've been botching it. Um, this is the parable of the rich fool who thought who was very like smug in like building these barns. Um, right. You know, and he's yeah, we I'll keep to referring soul, to this other passage without yeah. actually ever. soul. You have ample goods laid up for many years, relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you've prepared, whose will they be? So, the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich, I'm sorry, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. That is directly in line with the teaching from today, right? Yeah. And and the the tricky the what's tricky in interpreting this is verses eight and nine, um, where it seems like this um, is suddenly Jesus talking, um, and uh, we, we don't necessarily know what to make of it. Yes, okay, the sons of this world are more shrewd, and he seems to be praising shrewdness. And and it's funny how like there's some people who are like too holy to concern themselves with money and to actually be um, shrewd is not a bad thing, right? Right. Like shrewdness is good to be wise um, with, with, and that's, so he doesn't mean that's, like that's Wolf of wall street. Shrewd. Right. 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 Okay. And that's just merely stewardship. This idea right. of like, what we have is not our own, but care for it, like grow it. And Wesley would, you know, preach a lot on this is that like, make all the money you can give all the money you can save all the money you can. Like the money itself isn't evil. It's, it's when you put your trust in that, um, that is, and that's the, the issue, but yeah, don't say like, uh, like steward the money well, like invest it wisely, um, guard it, um, but don't love it. Don't love it. Don't rely on it. Um, 
And also don't be fooled into, uh, don't be too holy to, to, to feel like you're getting dirty with money. Right. Um, it's so funny, right? Money, money is a tool. It isn't actually anything, right? It's just a means um, to make transactions, right? Um, and, and, and yet it is, it is because it is a means to make transactions. And the more of it you have, the more transactions, the more, the more transactions you can make, right? It just is a way to feed our desires. And that's mm. where I think money can be evil, right? Um, uh, if, 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 if we cannot find a way to temper our desires, um, that's, and that, that's where you, you run into kind of the issue where uh, money can never make you happy, um, because stuff can never make you happy or experiences right. can never make you happy or whatever right. it is, whatever that endless maw, that endless pit in your soul that you're like shoveling stuff into, um, that will never bring satisfaction or fulfillment, right? Cause that's a God-shaped hole, not yeah. a desire shaped hole or a possession shaped hole or an experience shaped hole or whatever. Yeah. And you who are a Marshall McLuhanite um, <laughs> who, who would argue eloquently about um, the, the medium being the message, um, you would argue that many media are not neutral. Um, that's not what we're saying about money. Money is neutral, like you said. Right. It's neutral in itself, but we have a tendency to love it and to trust it more than we trust God. And, and that's the thing that we need to be aware of. Yes, absolutely. Any final thoughts on this, Christopher? Let's move on to our next segment. Speaking of trusting God, I think we should discuss someone who was a great icon of putting her trust in God. September 8th, 2022, Queen Elizabeth II died. Um, I found out about it uh, while I was teaching a class, eighth period, a history class. Um, and even amongst uh, teenage students, um, uh, a, a, a sober ripple kind of passed through the, the, the class. Um, it was interesting the um the mark that she's made on even american middle schoolers <laughs> and uh so i think actually we're probably going to over the next coming weeks as different events happen um the actual funeral and then the coronation um we'll probably need to talk about that um but so i think today we just kind of want to mark the uh, the death of queen elizabeth um an extraordinarily 
monumental figure in the 20th century and into the 21st century. Um, she was training in the last year of World War II as a mechanic, right? This is crazy. Um, she was she was crowned in was 1952, 53. That always slips in my head. Um, in any case, in the early 1950s, right? I, I think your our father sent us um, uh, just a fascinating fact. She was older than Elvis Presley. Hmm. So for those of you who have seen um, seen the, the movie Elvis, the Baz Luhrmann um, biopic that uh, was a big hit this summer. Um, yeah, he died in the 70s. Queen Elizabeth older than Elvis. Or did he? <laughs> that that that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Produce the body. I'm sorry. Can you? This is this is supposed <laughs> to be solemn. Yeah. Um, so we just want to take Christopher. I think we got about 10 minutes here and and mark mark her 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 mark her death by acknowledging what she has meant um in this past time. We are Americans, um, so she is not our monarch. Um and 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 I, I did did Mark I did want to say something about that too, um, but I have thoughts. I want to hear your thoughts first. Yeah, I am impressed by by who she is, and it'll be an interesting contrast. Uh, you know, Charles. I think everyone is a little bit skeptical of of. Though, so did you watch his speech? I did not. It was really good, and it's worth watching. Yeah, yeah. it's it's it is sometimes interesting to see how. Uh, when someone encounters the uh, the gravity, yes. um, so that that can change you. Yes, that can change you. And oftentimes, presidents who on the campaign trail say a lot of things, and then they 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 get the the um, president's daily briefing, right. and and suddenly they realize just like, wow, I was so unserious before. Like this is this is th- this That's is just right. a yeah. There's a well, the great example of that is Henry V. Um, who in, in the play is like a playboy um, mm. and then he's crowned and, and suddenly, or, or um, we, we, when we, a year ago, yeah. talked about the movie Be- Beckett, right? Thomas yeah. Beckett is a playboy and then becomes uh, Archbishop of Canterbury and suddenly the office changes him dramatically. But go ahead. Yeah. So, you're so we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens there. But uh, I think I think the Queen is admirable in just the way, uh, in a very John the Baptist sense, where where um, as Jesus um, began his ministry, John said, uh, "He must increase and I must decrease." That that Elizabeth, of in a very uh, dignified way, um, uh, throughout her lifetime, the significance, the role, the the authority, the power. Uh, of not only the monarchy, but the British Empire. She oversaw that um, in very necessary ways that in order for this country to progress, she must decrease. Uh, well, how about in, in, her personality, right? It basically disappeared before her eyes as she had the self-discipline to simply become the office in the yeah. public face. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting in the crown, um, you see this interesting contrast between her and her sister and her sister, um, is unable to do the very simple right. state duties of of like the opening of nursing homes and you know things like that 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 because um, I got to be and, me or something yeah <laughs> where um, you know I think we have a, there's a very childlike idea of of what it means to be a sovereign to be a king or queen is you get to do whatever you want and uh, in fact being a queen uh, or king today doesn't mean that it's 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 a very um, if you want to be great. In God's mm-hmm. kingdom, you must learn to be 
First, the servant. Yes. The servant of all. Yeah. yeah. And she absolutely epitomized that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so like, if, if this is a hard thing for you to hear or believe, um, you know, with, with perhaps the, the pomp and the ceremony and, and the riches, um, uh, let's set that aside just for a moment and just understand how she actually shrunk the, uh, tremendously shrunk the civil list. Um, like all these, these people who received, uh, incomes from the government, um, because of, uh, because of their last name, um, she shrunk that. Um, and just, shrunk her own in, shrunk, shrunk her own income tremendously. I mean, just a 15 second bracketed yeah. rebuttal of this common critique of the monarchy that is this huge drag on the English economy. Hmm. Um, the tourism that the royal family brings in vastly outweighs the 80 billion pounds or whatever the expenditure on the crown is. Like vastly. Why are people going to England? It's not to yeah. see their their stupid financial district <laughs> or like. Yeah. <laughs> No, they, right. They're, they're going to see Buckingham Palace and Windsor that's Castle. Right. That's and, exactly right. Yeah. Uh, and, and, other, and other things, but like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. And not only that, but like the, the, the income she gets from the government is, isn't that significant. Um, and the lands are hers. I don't know what right, Republicans right, think would right, happen. Right. Like if people, they dissolve people, the monarchy, like people criticize <laughs> them for having a, a great net worth. Um, but but that's that's simply in land and castles and stuff. You know, like even if you cancel the monarchy tomorrow, they still have all of that. Yeah. So anyhow, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's another thing. But so yeah, we, we as Americans have a tendency to be um small R Republicans and to not like the idea of a monarchy, like oh, like just just because you were born this with this last name that this this makes you deserve um th this power and authority but like that's not the reality of who she was how she used her authority and power and uh, with that i know you have a lot to say so i'll i'll hand it over to you she was an <laughs> exemplary person actually i'll say well every time i say i'm gonna hand it over to you i've like i love it i love it i'd be disappointed if you didn't I, i'm i want to be very very i'm very cautious even though i am an anglophile um as an anglican um, Anglophilia is is not just the least important thing for me to convey, um, but it, it's not even an important thing at all as, as I pastor an Anglican church. Um, and, and so I want to be very cautious publicly as I talk about um, my admiration for the queen and uh, all things English, because like I am leading people to follow Jesus in a in a very particular way. And it has nothing to do with the accoutrement of like the the monarchy or England. So I, I want to say that. So like all this is not to say that like I, I am I appreciate her personally for the way that she's led and all the things that you're about to say. <laughs> all right. So you you um I've got I've got a couple of points I want to briefly touch on. And you and I disagreed uh, before we press record. Uh, about on my first point. So I'm going to try to, Christopher, make this as ironically as possible <laughs> uh, and, and make, make a gentle, gentle plea for the softest version, version of it. And that is, um, uh, she, uh, her title as, and Charles has inherited this title, as the Supreme Governor of the Church of England and Defender of the Faith, was a, um, I mean, in Protestantism, uh, we, we, we have no real locus of unity um, you could say it's the King James Bible, but that's that is that is um, not used in most most Protestant parishes now, whether Baptist or Methodist or Lutheran or Reformed or Anglican or whatever. Um, and it's no longer the prayer book, of course. Um, so it's something something looser and less definable. Um, but she's been an actual, I think, a, a real and meaningful source of unity 
um, in, in Protestantism and, and the de facto Protestant Pope in a very, very soft sense. And, and, and here's why I say that. Her Christmas messages have for, I would say, have been on my radar for about 13, 14 years, have been the most shared, most evangelically Christian Christmas sermons um, in English-speaking Protestantism and have been anticipated, shared, expected, read, prayed over, pondered over um, uh, for this entire century, right? For the 21st century. Um, and in that way, it's the papal, it's the papal sermon, right? <laughs> um, and uh, I, I just want to point out, and, and, and actually I'll get to that in a moment, uh, her role as a profound preacher. Um, but uh, except for the most grouchy, spiky, kind of smaller Republican, she has been that kind of source of unity. So you get a bunch of Protestants in the room and they're yelling and arguing about whatever. Um, but if the queen comes up, everybody kind of nods and says, yes, like it, a, a, a real um, teacher through her actions and once a year through her words of what it is to be a humble Christian. Um, and you cannot say that about a lot of archbishops <laughs> and a lot of other uh, Protestant leaders in other church bodies. <laughs> Um, and I just want to talk about the, the next point, Christopher, I wanted to make was um, she's a pro profound preacher, one of the best preachers in the world. Um, I, I know that this sermon, this sermon, I say, uh, this Christmas message has been trotted out elsewhere since her death as, as an example of this. Um, but in 2011, um, her Christmas message uh, she, she used as kind of the text to talk about it. She used uh, the, the, the Christmas carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Um, and uh, she used the, the, is it the last verse? O holy child of Bethlehem, uh, descend to us, we pray, cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. Well, let me just, let me just read this very briefly from it. Okay, so she says, um, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Although we are capable of great acts of kindness, history teaches us that we sometimes need saving from ourselves, from our recklessness or our greed. God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, important though they are, but a Savior with the power to forgive. Forgiveness lies at the heart of the Christian faith. It can heal broken families. It can restore friendships. It can reconcile divided communities. It is in forgiveness that we feel the power of God's love. In the last verse of this beautiful carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem, there's a prayer. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born to, in us today. It is my prayer that on this Christmas day, we might find all we might all find room in our lives for the message of the angels and for the love of God through Christ our Lord. I wish you all a very happy Christmas. I mean, that is a, in a, an amazing Christmas sermon. And, you know, we've heard bishops and archbishops blather on and talk about goodwill toward men and whatever and miss the point that... <laughs> Um, this little child came in to cast out our sin.
And so we pray that he enter into our hearts for that reason. Um, so she, I would say this, she was a, she was a profound, uh, profound preacher. Um, I also want to say, uh, it's, this is just interesting to me. Um, the English are not like us. I, I, I came across this fact last, last Friday, eight days ago, um, a day after her death. I heard an interview with uh, an English philosopher who, uh, who pointed out that most, most uh, British say that they dream of her, like over half when polled, say they dream of her at least once a week. And he was asked, well, do you? And she said, he said, kind of sheepishly, he's like, yes, yes, I do. And the interviewer was like, American interviewer was like, ah, oh, that's, that's so weird. Like, what about? And he said, um, she has me over for tea. Um, or we talk about her dogs. Or she gives me advice on things I'm struggling with. And he kind of trailed off sheepishly. And it was a very, very smart, successful man who was being interviewed. And uh, the, the American interviewer didn't fully know what to make of that. And just that's so interesting. Um, but I think I know what to make of that, Christopher, which is we fill um, that vacuum that exists in British headspace, which I just uh, at first didn't make any sense to me. Like, that is crazy. You dream of her on a weekly basis. We fill that vacuum looking up to someone, like asking for their advice admiring their dog, following their dogs on Instagram. We fill that void with stupid people. <laughs> like there are, there are people that don't know us that we, they, we would want them to care, like celebrities, athletes, et cetera, that we really would want them to care about us. Influencers. Um, yeah. 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 And they're not, you know, the Supreme governor of our church or whatever. Um, and yet we really care about what they think <laughs> and we follow them. And, and probably dream about them, you know? And that's probably, we're probably weirder in some way for that. Um, and, uh, and my last point, and we'll talk about this more when we get Christopher to the funerals, um, or the funeral and the coronation that are coming up, um, is the power of liturgy. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter and Facebook um, who've scrapped good liturgy comment on how powerful the, the service of Thanksgiving was. Um, Friday the 9th at St. Paul's Cathedral, um, in which uh, the Bishop of London made a, an improbably remarkable sermon. Um, mm. And, uh, and um, uh, when her, did you see when her, uh, her body was brought into Westminster Hall? Um, just the power of a surplus choir singing Psalm 53. Um, uh, so we can, we can talk more about that later, but um, the queen is dead. God live the king. And uh, may choirs of angels sing her to her rest. Christopher, I know we got to end in prayer. Do you have any final thoughts or responses to any of that? No, that was that was well said. All right, Kurt, shall we end in prayer? Let's. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us pray. Oh Lord, you have taught us that without love, all our deeds are worth nothing. Send your Holy Spirit and pour into our hearts that most excellent gift of charity, the true bond of peace and of all virtues without which whoever lives is counted dead before you. Grant this for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Kirk, it's great to be back.
It is. And I'm so looking forward to a far less perplexing gospel next week. (laughs) All right. We'll see you then. Next week.